Dose the Leadership Podcast, episode 102. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast there. And I want to share a couple comments from reviews from iTunes. This one is from The Overwhelmed Brain. I'm sure this just came up the other day. It says, I'm so glad I found this. I can't believe I get to download and listen to 99 more of these. I didn't even know this show existed until today. Love it. Lots of inspiration. Just listen to the John Lee Dumas interview. Very cool. It was just an ordinary conversation with extraordinary information. Keep it up. This rocks. Thanks, Mr. Overwhelmed Brain. I appreciate that. Thank you for all your support. I got some gifts to give away. Mark Miller, who I interviewed a week or so ago, he gave me a handful of books. The Heart of Leadership is brand new book, Becoming a Leader People Want to Follow. I've got some free copies to give away. And so if you want to uh, get a copy, go ahead and send me a subscribe to iTunes, put a review. Hopefully it's five stars. Send a review out there. And then send me an email, richard at doseofleadership.com, and uh, we'll see if I can get you a free copy. So again, uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review, then send me a quick email, tell me you did that, and then we'll see if I can get you a free book, Mark Miller's The Heart of Leadership. Anyway, thanks for all your support, and here's the interview. Well, what an honor it is to have on my show today, Coach Greg Marshall. He's the head basketball coach of the Wichita State Shockers for Wichita State University. His team made the Final Four and won 30 games last season, putting Coach Marshall on the map and confirming his place as one of the country's best coaches. Coach Marshall's coming out party followed a regular season championship of the Missouri Valley Conference, an NCAA tournament berth the previous year, and an NIT championship the year before that. Coach Marshall also had success at his previous position at Winthrop, where he's responsible for seven of the program's nine NCAA tournament appearances, as well as its only NCAA tournament win. Coach Marshall, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you very much. Well, I got to first start out thinking as being a Wichita State alum, I got to thank you and being a local guy here. Thank you so much for the the past few years, especially last season, for all the fun and the and uh, the success that you've had with the program. It's been a great thrill for me being a, like I said, a Shocker alum and a Shocker fan for all these years. So thank you for everything you're doing, Coach. Well, it's been a, it's been a labor of love. We've had some uh, a lot of fun the last couple of seasons, and we've been able to bring Shocker Nation uh, to the forefront of folks' minds on the basketball world and and these folks as you know deserve a great deal of uh happiness and and uh bragging rights for a change because there's been some great great times in this program's history and then the 90s were kind of the abyss and and now with uh mark turgeon spearheading it in 2000 and we've been able to carry on the program is is reaching uh some great heights that uh, in 65, we went to the Final Four. In 81, we went to the Elite Eight and several Sweet Sixteens. But uh, getting back to the Final Four was certainly uh, uh, something we, we all enjoyed and, and took great pride in. Yeah, and it's so fun because it was so, in a lot of ways, it's never predicted. You never know how it's going to turn out. And what a, what, just the, the strength and the confidence that, that, that happened through the end of the season. It was truly fun to watch. It was really was. You know, one thing I really appreciate about you and your style, and, and of course I love watching sports and love watching all kinds of sports. I love watching the reaction of the coaches. I'm a, I'm a student of leadership, and I love to watch how coaches react. And one thing that's 
I really love about you and your styles. You, you seem to have a consistent, calming style. How intentional is that to you, and how important is that to you to, to display that? Well, honestly, I, I don't uh, know how I look. You know, I, <laughs> I think one of the most important things in, in being a leader is being yourself and yeah. being real. Uh, no phoniness, no, nothing fake. Um, you've got to care greatly about uh, what you're doing and the success or failure and of, of, of the organization that you're a part of. But you've got to exude uh, your personal um, characteristics, and, and that's one of the things that I try to do. I don't put on airs. I don't uh, – nothing phony. Uh, folks talk to me about what may be something that I do during the game, and I have absolutely no recollection at times. Uh, it's just um, – being being yourself is, is a, and being genuine uh, makes those that you're working with um, more confident that, that your heart's in the right place. Absolutely. I love that you said that. You're, you're feeding into what I've been saying on this podcast for quite some time, this authenticity, this vulnerability, which you certainly display. There's great strength in that. There's great power in that. You're absolutely right. Being who you are, no masks, I think is is so evident and, and it strives towards that that calming command presence um so yeah thank you for that answer i appreciate that you support everything that we we promote here at the dose of leadership podcast you know that's great thing about sports is winning and and uh, life lessons and and i i don't know i'm curious to what you think about this it seems to be a shift especially the last few years that maybe we've and it's refreshing to see a lot of the the successful programs out there i'm um, certainly winning is the name of the game but it seems like um, on top of that, you're teaching or you're very intentional about teaching life lessons to, to the men that you're coaching, the young men that you're coaching. I, I've seen you talk about that a little bit in some of your, your interviews. I see how the the players are carrying themselves, uh, especially the season progresses. Talk to me a little bit about um, how important life lessons are to you and your coaching style. Well, I, I played for a guy by the name of Hal Nunnally uh, at Randolph-Macon, a small school, Division Two at the time. Now the program is Division Three in, in Virginia, just north of Richmond. And he was a Hall of Fame-type coach, uh, very, very well-respected. Um, and the thing that was always impressed upon us was the fact that he wasn't just a coach, but people would say he was a maker of men. Right. And the... Sports, basketball, whatever it is, is a great avenue for some older, more mature folks with experience in life to to be able to teach uh, life lessons uh, through sports. And and uh, if you're not doing that, you're you're probably not maximizing your pulpit, your your opportunity to lead. And we we try to take full advantage of that. You know, as uh, I just remember. As the tournament was wearing on, I kept trying to impress upon my guys the the bright lights had never been brighter for any of us. Mm -hmm. So constantly remind them that everything that they say in these interviews, everything that they were doing on campus or in the community as the run was going on and, 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 and after the run was going to be more magnified than they could possibly imagine. And, and I think, by and large, they did a wonderful job of that. And, and it starts with the fact that uh, we try to recruit character. Mm -hmm. uh, we like, obviously, talented players. Uh, if you don't have talented players, you're not going to win. You won't be employed long. But uh, at the same time, um, 
in the position that we're in now and the position that I've always, uh, the stance that I've always taken as a coach is if we're going to coach these guys the way we like to coach them and, and demand so much of their time and energy and concentration, in order to be successful and want to do that and, and commit to that, they must have great character, and, and our guys certainly do. I love that. You know, talent certainly is a given, but you got to earn success, and there's got to be some other catalyst that drives sustainable results. And so I love how you you know, look for character in people as part of the package to recruit. How, you know, how, how does that change? Um, I, I, I am just, I guess I'm naive to this on the recruiting uh, process, but how in depth do you get? I mean, how do you find those, uh, young men with, um, spotless character or, or high character? Well, no, yeah, no one's perfect. Not right. even the coach, uh, not even the interviewer. No one's perfect, and we don't expect perfection. Uh, these are young men, age seventeen, sometimes all the way up to twenty-three or twenty-four years of age. And you know, as, as and I can remember when I was that age, boy, I was far from perfect. Right. And uh, so we're not anticipating them being perfect, but we want them to uh, work. Give us a, uh, an honest effort every day uh, in the classroom, on the campus. Um, uh, on the court, obviously, and and we want um, them to be humble. Tell them with kindness. Uh, your job is to magnify Shocker Nation and not diminish Shocker Nation by turning people off with your attitude or actions. Um, and and then just treat people the way you want to be treated out in the community on campus. And and and, and our guys do that. Uh, we we. If, if there's two players and one slightly more talented with with um, but he has issues that uh, sometimes that we know about that we, we don't condone and there's a guy that with tiny bit less uh, talent or potential or size or whatnot we're definitely going to go with that guy with without the issues and and you know it's not a perfect science recruiting is not an exact science right. you make mistakes at times but by and large, if you get good people that are success-driven and, and you surround them with other folks that have those same goals and are success-driven, then they can get caught up in that storm and, and just uh, reach new heights that they never dreamt that they could reach. Yeah. You know, I think it's important, too, to point out, uh, talking about recruiting, you know, a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, when you won the NIT championship, you would think that a couple of years later, when you got to the Final Four, that you would have a lot of those same players that were with that NIT championship. That wasn't the case, was it? I mean, you almost had brand new players for the Final Four. Isn't that correct? Yeah, we lost uh, 10 seniors in two seasons, um, five from the NIT championship in 11, and five more from the Missouri Valley Conference champion team in 12 that, that actually attained a, a, a five seed in the NCAA tournament. So, um you know, there was a lot of turnover. We had lost over 80, 85% of our scoring and rebounding. And this new group, uh, led by Malcolm Armstead, Carl Hall, Demetric Williams, and Ahime Arupke, they, um, they, they pulled it together. And they pulled it together with uh, a toughness, uh, determination, a swagger. Uh, you were talking earlier about what I try to exude, and I tell my players all the time, Go out there expecting to win. Go yeah. out there with a confidence. And when my teams are playing with a confidence, if not a swagger, uh, that's when they're absolutely at their best. Yeah, I love that. I love you know you know getting people to uh, the swagger is a great word. I love that. I need to include that more often. 
And you certainly saw that as the season progressed. What was your biggest surprise as, you know, you, you said you were talking to the, to the young men about, hey, the spotlight is all new for all of us. How did you prepare yourself? How did you, well, I guess, what was the biggest surprise when you found yourself in that moment? Well, just how really it's, it's no different. Um, I kept being asked how I was going to handle it, you know, and I said, really, I don't know. I've never been in a Final Four. I've never coached in a Final Four. How are you going to, how's your team going to react to shooting in a dome stadium in an elevated court? The answer was, I don't know. But then once you're in it, um, I thought we handled it very well. I thought yeah. we played as a, a very good game against Louisville and had a chance to, to win and then go to the championship game. And at the end of the season, even though we didn't cut down the nets in Atlanta like we did in Los Angeles, I thought we were playing as good uh, – we were playing as well as any team in the country yeah. uh, in, that was playing college basketball. So I found solace in that. Um, I, I loved the when, – when we beat – hit by 18 in the first round or second round, whatever they call it now, and we had the opportunity to then play the number one team and the number one seed, number one team in the country, Gonzaga, and number one seed in our region. I was talking to Malcolm Armstead, my senior point guard, and I said, hey, man, you know, if we if we win this, we, we get to go from Salt Lake for the, from the second and third rounds to Los Angeles for the regional finals. And he goes, well, I'm not, I'm not even concerned about that, Coach. I'm concerned about getting to Atlanta. Uh-huh. So that was the mindset yeah. of our players. Uh, they certainly, uh, we kept asking them, you know, you not, not asking but telling them, you belong. You, know, you belong in this tournament. We can compete and play and beat anyone in this tournament. And it wasn't that hard of uh, a convincing job that we had to do. Our players just had that confidence ingrained in, in them. Yeah, it really does speak to the volumes or the power of any way of, of crushing limiting beliefs because we are our own worst enemy. And if and even as a, as a spectator and watching and something that, well, it's easy to for people to believe or fall into that, well, we don't really belong there. This is just kind of luck. But you got to really shake that off and crush that belief. And like you said, believe that you belong. And that goes a long way. And that's infectious. That's just as infectious as a negative mindset too, right? I, I, I agree. And um, we're down, I guess, we were up 12 uh, against Gonzaga. At, at one point, the five teams that we played in the NCAA tournament, each of those five teams, we gave them their largest deficit that they faced in the right. entire tournament. So we're up 12 against Gonzaga, getting foul trouble towards the end of the first half and more foul trouble at the beginning of the second half. They go on a great run, and now they're up seven points uh, in the under eight-minute timeout in the second half. So there's less than eight minutes left in the game. Our guys came off the court, and the only time during our run that I saw uh, the, the lack of confidence. I saw their daubers down. I mean, they, Gonzaga had gone on a great run. We had foul trouble. We had a couple of starters on the bench. So we're sitting there during that timeout, and I felt it slipping away. And, and I looked at my my team, and, and there's been a chairs in a semicircle around the, our coaching staff. And, and I looked into each one of them's eye, and I said, look, back on October 15th when we were picked fourth in our conference, would you guys have taken this scenario being down seven, seven and a half minutes to go against the number one team in the country, if you beat them, you get to go to Los Angeles and compete for a regional championship in the Final Four. Would you take it? And each one of them locked eyes, and one by one, 
acknowledged that they would love to have that situation mm-hmm. presented to them on October 15th. So I said, well, that's exactly where we are. Yeah. Stop, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get your, get your, get your swagger back. Let's go and let's get this win. And it was amazing how we came out of that timeout and how well we played down the stretch. Yeah. I think we scored 23 points in nine possessions without the advantage of a technical foul shot. Well, that's amazing. That's what's so fun about basketball because you can see the momentum change so many times. It can go back and forth. And it's and what great insight to sit there and bring everybody back into the circle and remind them, give the proper perspective of where you're at. Um, that's why I just I love college basketball. That's why it's so fun. You can see the momentum shift so many times. And it does shift, and there's many, many runs. I, I love it when the media come in after a game and they go, well, now what happened? <laughs> the other team scored eight straight points, or they scored 16 out of uh, 19 points. And But, you know, what happened then? And, and we won the game by, by nine. And I go, well, you know, it's a 40-minute game, and there's going to be times when you're going to make consecutive baskets uh, as, as a team, and, and the other team's obviously going to be on the short end of that. And you just – it's, you've got to look at it in its entirety, and uh, there's, there's many, many runs in college basketball. Yeah. Let's talk about your staff a little bit. I'm curious about your style. Um, a lot of the – you seem to be like the guy that would um, rely heavily on uh, the leadership of your assistant coaches and your staff. I mean, t- talk to me about that and how you uh, view um, a coaching staff, a team. I mean, how, how, does, how does a successful coach do it? Well, I, I do. You're, you're correct in that regard, um, and I think I have one of the best staffs in the country. Um, I've got guys, first of all, I hire guys that I know, I like, and I trust. Mm. Uh, I'm not into you know just building a relationship with someone that I have no idea who I've never had an encounter with them. I want to see how they interact with other people. I want to see how they're received by other people because this job is so much about relationships, building relationships with coaches, players, and recruits. And um, I like people that I want to be around. Um, And in my staff, uh, currently, I have three guys that have all been head coaches at different times in their careers. And not on the Division One level, but they've been head coaches and very, very successful head coaches. So they understand what it's like to sit in my chair, but they're also relentless recruiters, great teachers of the game, and just tremendous people that other people want to be around and, and, and have relationships with. So uh, I've known all five guys on my staff for many years, and uh, they're just professional college basketball coaches. They don't. None of them have that started at different levels. Like uh, never recruited, and I'm going to all of a sudden throw them out there uh, with a six-figure salary and say, "Hey, everything that we're doing now in Wichita State basketball uh, organization relies on you learning on the job, and you need to do it very quickly." I, I hire guys that have done it before and that have proven that they're very good. And then I let them go. Um, don't break rules. I don't care. You're not punching a clock. You can work You can work five hours a, a day or you can work 15. The bottom line is, what are you getting done? Mm-hmm. And it's a very much a bottom line business. 
Yeah, I, I guess you kind of answered that question there, but I sense if I was working for you, you would give me um, a great deal of latitude and creativity, I guess, and, and some dis- decision-making authority. Is that true? Exactly. Uh, the more, uh, and, you know, when I was at Winthrop, and I didn't have some of the experience that I have now on my staff, but these guys basically tell me where I need to go. Now, I, for recruiting, they, you know, like tomorrow, uh, I'm, I'm heading to Kansas City for a Coaches versus Cancer event. And while I'm up there, I've got two young men that I'm going to check in on and, and, and see them play or meet with their coaches. And I don't even know who they are yet, but I know that my coaches will direct me and have that, that planned. Um, they, they do a great job in scouting our opponents. I mean, the, the defensive schemes that we came up with against Ohio State in the regional finals and Louisville, in the final four, uh, my assistant coaches poured over many, many, many hours of game film uh, to, to come up with those plans, and I thought they worked beautifully. Uh, and we share in that responsibility, but they, they always take the lead on it to present it to the team after we've talked about it and discussed it as a group. Um, so, yeah, the, these guys are just really good at all facets, and I learn from them. I, I don't I don't dictate, okay, here's, you just, basketball is not um, thermonuclear physics. Mm, right. I, it's not something that we have to be real secretive about. We don't, we're, n- we're not down in a bunker trying to split the atom. We're trying to just teach a very simple game. Uh, we, and we probably have more complicated things than I, than I realize because I've been doing it for so long. But what, what we want to do is not make our players stagnant uh, with their, with their uh, actions and their abilities and their game by being uh, frozen mentally. So don't complicate it too much. Give them some latitude to express themselves on the basketball court and some, give them some freedom to make some plays and just give them just enough organization so that we, um, we look like uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a team and not five individuals running around out there. Yeah, you hit something on really important. I think, you know, giving – and with every sport, and Coach Schneider said this in my interview with him too, is like how – the, the key of the secret sauce anyway is getting – like you said, create those boundaries, but give them enough latitude so they encourage them to make decisions as the situation changes on the court, right? So they're not always looking to, to you to figure out what to do next, right? Right, exactly. They, uh, we want them to, to, to have – we run a, a motion offense, and – People are going away from motion offense. That's what I learned and played when in the '70s and early '80s. And uh, people are going away from it, but I love it because it teaches you how to play basketball. It teaches you how to cut, how to screen, how to move the ball, how to share the ball, how to get another teammate a shot. And instead of uh, just bouncing it and, and, and just one-on-one play, so and it, it, while while doing that, it also teaches you how to become a better defender against people that are moving and cutting and screening. So uh, on, on the flip side, it helps you on the defensive end as well. But then in motion offense, and my, again, my college coach, uh, when he taught it to us, he, he explained it. Basically, it teaches you how to play the game, but it gives you the individual freedom to express your own game right. within the offense. Yeah. Well, that's so analogous to life, too. I don't know if you, when you just said that, the way you said it, isn't that, doesn't it apply to everything? I don't care if it's you know, whatever job you're doing or whatever you're doing. Isn't that the way it should be? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, going back to the way I handle these assistant coaches, I, I don't, I don't tell them to punch a clock. I don't, I don't ask them what they're doing at all five times a day. I know that they're in there working and grinding and figuring out a way to make our team better, make our individual talent better, uh, find a find a recruit somewhere that's that's unknown or that we can get involved with and get a visit here to Wichita and. Um, Everything that we're doing uh, is is to the betterment of our program. Yeah. Every decision you make is is in the best interest of the program. Yeah, I like that. What do you think, just from a leadership perspective all around, you see it on campus, you're around a lot of young adults. What do you think some of the biggest leadership challenge, challenges facing them are? I think one of the biggest things that kids have now uh, that they have to overcome to be effective leaders is – is to put themselves out there and try to maybe tell someone else uh, the truth and get involved in in their business, if you will. There's a lot of, um, uh, I would say, uh, laissez-faire, live and let live. I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to do my thing, and it's okay, whatever you want to do. That's, there's a lot of that now with young folks, mm-hmm. and they almost feel like, well, we shouldn't get involved with, with what he's doing because it's his business, and that's that runs counter to the, the um, a good leader has got to find that entree into that other person's business, mm-hmm. present it in a way that is not doesn't come off as uh, uh, bossy or, or a jackass, but comes comes off as, hey, you know, this is for all of our good. This is this, this will help you too, but you, but hear me out and and how you present it to uh, a peer, if you will, as a young person uh, is, is very difficult to figure out. Yeah, I think you're right. Having the moral courage to stand up even when it seems unpopular or, or not right. Uh, the right thing to right. do. I think that's what you're getting at. You're absolutely right. There is this kind of, a, eh, whatever, what business of mine is it? Well, if you care about your fellow man, you care about what is right. What's right is right, and um, you should mm-hmm. you should stand up for it. No, that's, that's good insight for sure. What advice would you give somebody that's maybe getting into leadership for the first time or coaching or what? You know, it's all kind of to me, it's interrelated, but what advice would you give somebody who's maybe thinking, you know, maybe I, I do want to be a better leader. What advice would you give them? Well, you, you touched on it, and, and I, uh, I, again, I, I go back and refer to my, my college coach. Uh, he talked about the moral authority. If you want to lead, you have to, be, you have to do the right thing yourself. And if you're going to be out doing stupid things and not, not caring about the overall good of the organization, then you've got no leg to stand on and no one really wants to listen to your opinion because they see you uh, tearing it down as well. So first of all, do the right things constantly as as best you can. Uh, put your put your best foot forward, give great effort, and really um, want the success of the organization uh, more than anyone. Then you have the opportunity to, to you know, at, at some point um, – let's say lend a helping hand to to someone that might be off track. Yeah. Hey, you know, this is what I think would be would be better served if if you did this. And um you know, when I when I'm coaching out there, I don't I don't go back into that locker room. 
uh, I, I don't go after we we coach them on the floor. They go back to the locker room. I'm sure there are times when they're back there going, "Oh man, he was hard on me today." I don't know what he's talking about because I was, you know, I'm doing my best, and he, he kept harping on this one thing. What you need then is is great secondary leadership. You need someone back in that locker room saying, "Now look." Forget how he said it. This is what he was trying to tell you, and this is what I saw as well. You need to do this uh, occasionally instead of that. And if you've got that, and I, I, I firmly believe we've got that in our program uh, because we've got so many guys that are doing the right thing constantly, and uh, it helps It helps having that great secondary leadership behind the scenes in the locker room. It's interesting you said that. Is, do you also rely on maybe some of your more senior or some of your – team, uh, the players themselves to do that? I mean, you're not just talking about coaches either, are you? No, no, I'm talking about players. I'm yeah, talk- yeah. Now, generally you give seniors, because they've, they've deserved the, the right, they've earned the right, being uh, the elder statesman in your program, the, the opportunity to uh, be that voice, and you, you, we're always trying to give them say in, in some of the, the decisions that we make in our program. Uh, Any time that I can, uh, it, something as simple as when we're going to practice uh, on a weekend, uh, uh, Martin Luther King's birthday always comes up to the holiday in, in, Feb, in February, and, and you know, are we going to practice on Sunday and take Martin Luther King's birthday off, or would you like Sunday off and practice on Martin Luther King Day? So I all, that's always something that we give the players say in. Right. And, and, and we try to give them a voice um, about where to eat or what hotel they like better and things like that. So, um, and, and that gives them, that empowers them and gives them a, a feeling of, of, you know, we have a say in this. This is our organization, right. and I'm not being dictated to all the time. But I, I just, I think that that's, that's good. And, and if, but if it's not the seniors, We've got a lot of young players, guys like Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker and Evan Wessel that are sophomores this year that have been uh, very successful and played at a very high level, and uh, they can they can lead as well. And I don't it doesn't just have to come from the seniors, yeah. but they obviously get the the first chance to be the leader. Well, you're doing great stuff, Coach. I love your style. I mean, you're validating everything that I thought about you for sure. I mean, I, I'm so. Thrilled you're here at, with, uh, at Wichita, and I appreciate what you're doing. What's next? How does the season look for you as we wrap up here? Well, we've got, um, I mentioned those young guys. We've got Clee Anthony Early, C.J. LaField, Kadeem Colby, and Nick Wiggins, four seniors. Uh, this is their year. Uh, this is their year to, that they'll be known for. This is their legacy, and, and, and I talk to our seniors about that all the time. You guys, you you can you can do whatever you want for the first three years, but you're known for what you do your senior yeah. year. And um, they're doing hard. They're doing great. They're working hard. Uh, this group plays extremely hard. Sometimes they're not playing real smart right now, but we've got plenty of time. We've got a great workout plan this afternoon. We practiced well yesterday. A lot of teaching involved. We're able to start a little earlier now, but we're giving them more days off. Like we'll go like one or two days and take a day off. One or two days, take a day off. Uh, with the new rules that the NCAA has implemented for our start. But we've got ESPN coming in here on October the 18th uh, for Shocker Madness. Uh, we'll be on television there that night and 
giving out our championship rings and having a lot of fun, celebrating the success of 2013 and really kicking off 2014 and putting 2013 to bed. So uh, I think I think we're going to be pretty talented as long as we can stay healthy and continue to work like this. We have an opportunity to be really good. Well, it all starts here right around the corner, a couple of weeks, November 2nd, right? I mean, that's kind of the first official uh, game. November 2nd will be the exhibition game. Uh, and then our first game is November 9th, and we play on ESPN. A midnight game, Monday night, Tuesday morning, uh, would be November the 11th at 11.59 p.m. Um, Central Time, so 1 o'clock Eastern Time in the morning. But uh, that's the night we're going to unfurl the banner. Western Kentucky's coming in here, another NCAA tournament team from last year, yeah. and a team that's picked to win their league, so it should be a great affair. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a great season again. Thanks for coming on the show, Coach. It's been so much fun having you here. I appreciate you having me. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.